0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible.
1: Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we will see where the prophet Hosea pronounces impending judgment on Israel and Judah because of their idolatry and because they set God's boundaries aside. Therefore, God would tear them. We hope you join us as Pastor Darrell continues in Hosea chapter 5 on Simply the Bible. The
0: Lord instructed Hosea to marry Gomer, who would be unfaithful to him. She would bear him three children, but probably two of these were illegitimate, the children of other men. And yet God told Hosea to go after her and bring her back. He would literally redeem her from the slave market after she was spent and unwanted. All of this was to be a sign to Israel of how she had been an unfaithful wife to Yahweh by going after other gods and bearing children through her immoral relationships and ritual prostitution. In chapter 5, the prophet Hosea calls out to the priests, people, and civil rulers to listen up. Hear this, O priest, take heed, O house of Israel, give ear, O house of the king, for yours is the judgment, because you have been a snare to Mitzpah, and a net spread on Tabor. The revolters are deeply involved in slaughter, though I rebuke them all. I know, Ephraim, and Israel is not hidden from me, for now, O Ephraim, you commit harlotry. Israel is defiled." And so here is the call out to the priests and the people and also the civil leaders. They were all involved in this idolatry and spiritual adultery, turning away from God. And they had set a snare from Mizpah to Tabor. Mizpah was on the east side of the Jordan and Tabor on the west side. And so the idea was that everywhere throughout the land of Israel, they had ensnared the people. They were deeply involved in slaughter. Now, this could very well have been speaking of the fact that as they had worshipped these other gods and, and had involved themselves in ritual prostitution as part of the worship of these deities, they had many unwanted pregnancies, and these were often offered as child sacrifices to their pagan gods. And so they had been involved in such a slaughter. Now they would be involved In another slaughter, which would be the slaughter God would bring upon them as the Assyrians would invade the land. The Lord said, Israel is not hidden from me. Now Israel had forgotten God, but really as an unfaithful bride, she had set him aside in pursuit of her other lovers. But she was not hidden from God. He saw everything she did. And the same is true for us. We hide nothing from God. He knows everything we think and say and do. And like Adam and Eve, we may try to hide from God. We may try to hide who we are, but that is absolutely foolish. We are far better off to be honest with God who already knows everything and confess our sins and then come back to Him while there is time before judgment comes. Verse 4, They do not direct their deeds toward turning to their God For the spirit of harlotry is in their midst, and they do not know the Lord. The pride of Israel testifies to his face. Therefore, Israel and Ephraim stumble in their iniquity. Judah also stumbles with them. And so they were not directing their deeds to turning to God. They were religious. They were sacrificing to the Baals and the Ashtoreths on the high places in the mountains. And they were involved in their ritual prostitution in the worship of their gods, but they were not turning to Yahweh, their husband. They had been made dull and senseless and blind by the spirit of harlotry. God knew them, but they did not know God. Jesus prayed to his Father in John 17 3 And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ. Whom you have sent. Knowing God personally and intimately is essential for any of us if we would want to have eternal life. That is always the way it has been. God has always desired that we should know Him and that He should know us. Now, Israel was full of pride, which was why he would not receive a rebuke. God had sent prophets to warn him, but he refused to listen. Instead, he went deeper and deeper into his sin and stumbled headfirst into iniquity. Judah, the southern kingdom, observed Israel's promiscuity and stumbled into it herself. So Israel and Judah became like two adulterous sisters to the Lord. With their flocks and herds, they shall go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn himself from them. They have dealt treacherously with the Lord, for they have begotten pagan children. Now a new moon shall devour them and their heritage. So they would come to the place of desperation when they would realize the consequences that were coming upon them were the result of them forsaking the Lord. And so then they would seek Him, but they would not find Him because God would withdraw Himself. That is really the worst thing. That can happen is when God gives us over to whatever it is that we want, but then He pulls away. And if He pulls away, then so does life and love and righteousness and goodness, because all of these are the attributes of who God is. Now, they had begotten to Him pagan children. As I mentioned earlier, through the sexual rites of the worship of these pagan gods, they have given birth to illegitimate children. And now God said, a new moon would devour them. This probably means that their hypocritical participation in the religious festival supposedly to the Lord, like the new moon festival, would actually hasten the day of their destruction rather than avert it. God despised their hypocritical worship when they were cheating on him. It would be like your wife cheating on you and then coming back and, and acting like everything was okay. Verse 8, blow the ram's horn in Gibeah, the trumpet in Ramah. Cry aloud at Beth-Avon, look behind you, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of rebuke. Among the tribes of Israel, I make known what is sure. So God called them to blow the horn in Gibeah and Ramah. These two cities were located a few miles north of Jerusalem in the territory of Benjamin, which was at the southern border of Israel. Beth-Avon was another name for Bethel. Bethel means house of God, but Beth-Avon means house of wickedness. And that was named that because King Jeroboam had placed a gold calf there and an altar to keep the people from going to Jerusalem to worship Yahweh. So Hosea calls to Benjamin to observe when Ephraim, that is the northern kingdom, would be judged by God and then taken captive by the Assyrians. The Assyrians would then later attack the southern kingdom as well, although God would stop them at Jerusalem. It would later be the Babylonians who would take Judah into captivity. The princes of Judah are like those who remove a landmark. I will pour out my wrath on them like water. Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment because he willingly walked by human precept. Therefore, I will be to Ephraim like a moth and to the house of Judah Like rottenness. So the princes of Judah were like those who removed a landmark. They had removed the barrier or boundary between right and wrong, and that led to confusion and ever increasing immorality and lawlessness. It is so easy for us to see the parallel with our own nation. As we move the barriers that God has established between right and wrong, we have turned away from God's boundaries established forever in his word. And people are doing whatever is right in their own eyes. But that leads to confusion and ever-increasing sin. So God said, I will pour out my wrath on them like water. Now we like to remember God's love and his mercy. But he has also promised to pour out his wrath on unrepentant sinners. The Lord said Ephraim is broken because he walked by human Precept. And when we ignore God's commands and walk by our own precepts, that always leads to brokenness, whether it's relational brokenness or spiritual brokenness, economic brokenness. We are not designed to sin. And when we throw God's laws behind our back, then we can expect the consequences of brokenness. Therefore, God said, I will be like a moth. To Israel and rottenness to Judah. Of course, a moth will consume your clothes, carpets. Uh, the rottenness in Judah would probably be just the decay of morality and what we might call truth decay because they had not loved the truth of God. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, then Ephraim went to Assyria and sent to King Jareb, yet he cannot cure you nor heal you of your wound. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear them and go away. I will take them away and no one shall rescue. I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face in their affliction. They will earnestly seek me. Now, Ephraim made the mistake of seeking the help of the Assyrians when things started going south. Things started getting bad. It was really the judgment of God. And rather than seeking God and seeking God for the solution, humbling themselves before the Lord, they sought the help of the Assyrians because they were perceived as being strong militarily and politically. But it would be the Assyrians who would then later conquer them. And that's the problem. So oftentimes when things start going bad, we start looking to human aid and we look to people that we perceive as being strong leaders to help us. But those so-called strong leaders are weak compared to God. And if we don't turn to God to help us and look to the arm of flesh, it will always fail us. So God said, I will then be like a lion to Ephraim and Judah. He would start out as being like a moth and rottenness, but then he would be even more fierce, like a lion who would devour because of their rebellion. I will return to my place. That is, God would withdraw and go back to heaven, really, uh, take away his presence from them until they acknowledged their sin. That is really the worst thing that can happen. I mean, as long as God is sort of messing with you like a moth or even coming against you like a lion, there's still hope if you'll repent. But when he finally just turns away and gives you over to do whatever you want and then withdraws himself from you, then he's withdrawing light and love and truth and grace and justice. That's the worst thing that can happen. And yet God said, I will withdraw from you, but it wouldn't be permanent. And that's the amazing mercy of God in all this. As God had told Hosea to marry an adulterous wife, Gomer, but then later he would go after her and redeem her and bring her back to himself and forgive her. And so God would do the same thing with adulterous Israel. There would come the time when they would seek him. And we're told about that in Zechariah chapter 12, that when Jesus returns, they will look upon the one whom they have pierced and they will grieve over him as one would grieve for the loss of an only son. And when that happens, they will acknowledge the Lord and say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And and then, of course, the Lord will receive them and take them unto himself, and that will bring in the millennial kingdom. This book of Hosea tells us just how fierce the wrath of God is when people ignore him and disown him, but also just the amazing mercy of God to turn toward us when we cry out to Him in meekness and humility and seek His face.
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, check out our Simply the Bible podcast and please leave us a review. It helps a lot. Tomorrow we will see where Hosea calls Israel to return to the Lord. Though he is torn, he will heal them. The Lord desires mercy and the knowledge of God more than sacrifice. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Hosea on Simply the Bible.